Um, so question, just like an icebreaker to start it off. What, what do you take to a baby shower? When you're invited, you need to bring a gift. Diapers. 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 A gift card. A gift card, okay. Diaper, diaper, gift card. Anybody else have a go-to gift or anything? Socks for the mom. Socks for the mom? Snacks. Snacks, okay. <laughs> it's like, do they get cold? Don't have time, okay. Registry. What water? Bright water. It's like a magical cure-all that most first-time moms don't know about. And somebody gave to us, and we were just like, yes. yes. That's fantastic. Okay. Uh, got that on the podcast, so maybe people... Who, somebody else said something. I didn't get it. Just something from the mom's registry. Something from the registry. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully the timing will go well, and we'll get back to that at the end. We'll talk more about it. Um, we're going to look in Matthew... Chapter 2, and the visit of the wise men. So we'll read, uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. We'll read the whole thing, and then we'll go back and, and talk about verse by verse. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they, had heard, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy, and when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Okay, so we'll start back at verse 1. It says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. So we see he was born in Bethlehem. And uh, by the way, we're going to, there might be nothing we go over today that you've never heard before. Uh, there, there might be a lot of little a little facts and observations, you might have heard 75% of them. Maybe you'll get something new. But uh, in any case, I think there'll be something for you to think about and consider. Um, so no, no grand revelations or anything, but um, it's just a, a nice story at this time of year. But he was born in Bethlehem as... It was just like it was prophesied, right? We talked about this sometime earlier in the year. We talk, uh, I went through prophecies of the Messiah, and one of them was where he would be born. And uh, the chief priests and scribes that Herod called 
uh, knew this, right? They, fortunately, they were well studied and they, they knew where the Messiah would be born. It says in Micah 2, uh, I'm sorry, Micah 5, verse 2, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, to differentiate it from another place called Bethlehem, um, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. So it, it's right there. There will be somebody come out of Bethlehem that's been around since before time began, and he'll be ruler in Israel. Uh, this couldn't be anybody else but Jesus, the Messiah. Uh, by the way, Ephrata, I always heard that, and I never could find it, and this week I found it. Um, you can find that in, in Ruth 4 is one place where it definitely ties Bethlehem and Ephrata. That was apparently an old name for Bethlehem. And uh, at the end there, there's a blessing, like, you know, a blessing to Bethlehem and a, sort of a parallel in the same verse, blessing to Ephrata. So um, if you ever wondered why it was Bethlehem, Ephrata, that was an old name for Bethlehem. Uh, it says, in those days, in the days of Herod the king, and this is a very important little phrase for, for some different reasons. But we see this Herod, uh, you know there was more than one Herod in the Bible. This Herod was Herod the Great, um, called Herod the Great because of uh, one, for his architecture. He was, I guess you would say, a great politician. Um, he, you know, the, the temple, you know, the temple was destroyed when the, you know, 400 years, whatever, uh, Six, 600 something years before Jesus. Anyway, they were carried off to uh, Babylon and Ezra came back and worked on rebuilding the temple, but it was not of its former glory. You know, and, and also when Nehemiah built the wall, the, the people that remembered, the old people looked and were sad because of it. Well, what did Herod the Great do? He's, he made it, he said, you want a temple? You know, being the great politician that I am, we're going to build you a temple. And he made it grander than probably ever could have been imagined. And if you've ever been there or seen it, I'm sure you've seen pictures. The, the Temple Mount, you know, where now the Dome of the Rock and, and everything sits. Um, you know, there was, there was a hill with a temple, but Herod built a platform. Like, I, I don't have the dimensions ready in my head, but it, it, a platform over the whole hill and the temple on top of that. It's almost mind-blowing that it could have even been done. Uh, has anybody ever seen, at least on TV or uh, movies or whatever, Masada? We've talked about it. The fortress that Herod built in the desert down by the Dead Sea. It's up on a hill, that, a, a mountain that's so high and there's no running water, nothing, you know, no provisions. And to build a fortress, I mean, to carry things like he... There were mosaics painted in bathhouses, and it was like a luxury thing. And to build this, you know, to walk up the hill, they didn't have the cable car in Herod's day. And, um, you know, if you forgot a color for the mosaic, can you imagine? Walking back down how many hundreds of feet straight down and back up, you know. It's just mind-blowing. Uh, that wasn't the only fortress. He built that as a, a fortress to hide out in case his enemies wanted to kill him because he had a few enemies. Um, he made some enemies because he was just that kind of guy. Um, 
uh, Herodias or Herodian, uh, different names. There was another fortress. I think he was finally buried there. Um, anyway, he was also great in cruelty. You've probably heard of his reputation, right? He, um, if you opposed him politically, you're out of here, right? You, you're going to be at the minimum locked up, probably executed. Uh, he had he had one of his wives, his first one, I think, uh, locked up with with her son, then executed later with with two of their sons. Um, he was a bad guy. So anyway, the fact that as we would see later if we continue the story, I think some people, probably not in circles like a conservative church like we go to, but you know, people have questioned, could that even have happened? Like there's no record outside of Matthew of babies being killed in Bethlehem uh, in mass. Um, but yes, Herod definitely had the temperament and, and the will to be able to do such a thing. If he thought somebody was gonna threaten his kingdom, yeah, he would have done that. And Bethlehem was a small town, right? We don't know how many babies would have been killed. It was, it was not a metropolis. Um, so anyway, we know that Jesus was born during Herod's lifetime. So, you know, we, obviously we count our calendar now from the birth of Jesus, right? That's Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. This is, it, and we know there's, it's off a little bit, but we know this is what it's supposed to be counted from, right? Um, that did not start the year Jesus was born, right? They, the world didn't realize the impact of him coming uh, except for a few people. Uh, that didn't happen until what we would now call the year 525. Um, there was a monk, Dionysius, um, started numbering the years from Jesus' birth. Um, we generally understand that he was off a little bit. Um, and because we know he was born during Herod's lifetime, this really helps us narrow down when Jesus was born. Um, hey, Heidi. Um, so we know some things about Herod's life from secular history, mainly from Josephus uh, and antiquities of the Jews, his, you know, uh, the history that he wrote down. Um, we know that Herod's death occurred about one month or less after a lunar eclipse. And most likely that lunar eclipse happened uh, on March 12th and 13th of what now would be called um, 4 BC. Uh, there is a little bit of debate about that. It could have happened on December 29th of um, what would be now 1 BC. Uh, but the evidence and all the, the history about when his son started and how long they reigned and when coinages started to have his son's uh, inscriptions on them was in 4 BC. So we, you know, most people seem to agree that that's when it was. There's also good evidence that the census that was issued that called uh, Joseph and Mary uh, to Bethlehem happened in 8 BC. Uh, and it would have probably taken some time, a year or more, to get the word out to all the kingdom that this is going to be the time that it happens. So that narrows Jesus' birth down to somewhere like between um, 7 and 5 B.C., most likely. Probably 5 or 6 B.C. So you might have studied that if you didn't and ever wondered, you know, when was he born and how do we know? There's some of the, the reasoning. 
Um, by the way, if we number our years from when Jesus was born, why isn't our new year on December 25th? Or why didn't we just call January 1st his birthday? Wouldn't it make sense if we're numbering it from Jesus' birth, why do we call it the new year not at the same time as his birth? Has anybody ever thought about that? I had thought about it, and I never had an answer, never really looked into it. But quite a few years ago now, almost 20 years ago, I had to go to Israel uh, for work, and I, I took a tour to Nazareth, and a tour guide explained it to me, and it made so much sense. And he was Jewish, and he, he said, you know, if you are a Jewish boy, the first eight days don't count. Uh, eight, including the day you're born, and, and the eighth day, you know, that's inclusive, the way they do it. Um, and you're circumcised on the eighth day, and that's when they, they count your birthday. That's, that's the time. So if you count from December 25th, counting it to January 1st, that's eight days. You know, Jesus was Jewish. This is, that's why it's the new year. So... All right, so we see still in this same verse that there were wise men from the east. Uh, you hear the word magi. Uh, this is, it's the word we get, it's the root word we get magician from in English. Uh, it was kind of, you know, like they studied the stars. You might hear them called astrologers, but really they, they studied science and tried to get actual learning and the closest thing today that we can relate it to would be an astronomer, uh, the best I understand it. Uh, wise men came from the east. Okay, somebody answer out loud. How many wise men were there? Thank you. Okay. Three. <laughs> Thank you. You knew I was waiting on that answer. I appreciate that. I knew what you were asking. Yep. So obviously, I, we've probably all thought about that, right? But you, they're traveling how many hundreds of miles from the east with so many treasures that any bandit in the desert would have probably gladly killed for, it probably was not three guys on three camels, you know, with a fourth one carrying a, a pack on it for the, some gifts, right? Um, it was probably quite an entourage, right? I mean, the picture that came to my mind was when, um, when Jacob was heading back home and he, he heard that Esau was coming and he sent people ahead. And if you've ever read the things that he sent, how many animals and gifts and the company that he sent ahead, how many people were with him. Uh, it wasn't just like Jacob and, um, you know, a couple of wives and, and some clothes, right? It was, it was massive. And I don't know that this was that massive, but um, it was probably a lot more than three, uh, probably more than three wise men. And definitely uh, I would... Imagine there would have to be some support team with them, right, to make a trip of that size. And they went to Jerusalem. Now, why would they go to Jerusalem? It says they saw his star in the east. It doesn't exactly say that the star uh, led them to Jerusalem, right? It just says while they were in the east, they saw this star is the meaning of it. And so where did they go? They went to Jerusalem. Now, why would they go to Jerusalem? What do you think? I think they were looking for an adult, and they thought that it would be, he would be hmm. on the throne. He was supposed to be the king of the Jews. Hmm, okay. Um, because it doesn't say until later that um, 
baby. Huh, you know, I never thought about that. That's, that's an interesting, interesting and thought. Also don't know how long they have been traveling. Yeah. Okay. Well, they obviously uh, were looking for the king of the Jews, it tells us later. And the Jews obviously were headquartered, if you will, in Jerusalem, right? That was where the, the temple was and, and it had been for ages. Um, so, yeah, they went to Jerusalem and I'd never considered that, that uh, maybe they could have been looking for an adult, but even accepting they were looking for a baby, um, I imagine they expected to find answers in Jerusalem, right? Either that the that who they were looking for was there or that somebody there would have the answers, right? Because this is where all the the Jews and the leaders of Judaism were. So in verse 2 it says, They came saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Um, so it does say, I mean, I kind of feel like they, they were expecting a baby because it says he was born king of the Jews. You want to say something, Doug? Yeah, so when they were deported to Babylon and taking all the scriptures was taken with them, yeah. they weren't burned. So there was a, so two things. One, they had the scripture and the prophecy, so they're searching all the documents that they have. Mm -hmm. And where else was the center of the Jewish nation? If he was going to be the king of the Jews, where else would they you know, yeah. kind of fit in. Right. So studying all their scriptures that they had from prophecy, Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, all of them, because Jeremiah, they were all contemporaries, a lot of them at the yeah. same time. So being in Babylon and other places. Yeah. And I've heard theories. That's good. I agree with that. Um, I, I've heard theories like from sermons and things that, you know, uh, prophets, Daniel perhaps, uh, might have given word or left documents that are not included in our Bible. Like, he, you know, a revelation could have been given to him. I, we don't know that. But it's, you know, is it possible? Of course it's possible. Um, so it says he was born king of the Jews. Usually kings, you're not a king when you're born, right? You're usually, you're, your daddy's a king if you're going to be king later, and he's still the king for quite a while, and you're a prince for quite a while. And then you become king. But they, were, they came looking for a king and said that they're looking for the one that was born king. And king of who? Of the Jews. Now, were the Jews like a, a mighty people in this day? They were conquered, right? They were under rule of Rome. Um, they tried to rise up a time or two because they hated it so bad, but they didn't have a chance then. You know, they were crushed anytime they tried. Um, I shouldn't say that. The Maccabees gave a good fight. But anyway, that's not part of the lesson. Um, so, yeah, why would, they, why would they bring all this treasure and, and travel so far to see the king of the Jews, right? And I think it goes back to what you were saying, Doug. They had the scripture. They, they believed in something uh, that was not obvious in their day just from looking at the situation, right? They, they believed the scriptures or, or whatever message they got from God some other way. Um, and God gave them further revelation because they did believe. Mm -hmm. what he does. Yeah. And so he said, I can't, it's, it's mind-boggling to me, you know, these are very intelligent men. These aren't just regular Joes sitting around scratching their head. They, they're studying and 
they're learning and, and they're believing what they're reading and God is revealing to them more and more. That's why he sent them a star and said, follow this. Yeah, and even, even after they got there, he gave them revelation, you know, a couple times. So yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so it says they saw his star in the east. Now here's another thing. It's like a favorite little, almost like a trivia topic, but how many, does anybody here have a theory on what the star they saw was? I thought surely somebody has looked at this and... Some people argue it was the North Star, I think. And then other people think it was a one-time occurrence of a special heavenly body that was sent just to guide them. Uh -huh. I know those are the two big... Okay, well, I've heard those less than astronomical reasons. I We... We were listening, we wanted to, we, we try to watch some Christmas shows and stuff, and we were listening to some Paul Harvey, if you, anybody remembers Paul Harvey on the radio. He had a couple of uh, Christmas broadcasts, you know, and one of them, um, it was all about the star, and he visited this uh, planetarium somewhere up north, and uh, how they ran it back, you know, the machine, it, it was set up so it, it should match what happens, and 2,000 years, and, you know, about how Jupiter... Uh, met up with Saturn and Mars went right in the middle of it and you know like this this was obviously it because it happened at the right time um, and that's usually what I hear is something to do with stars and planets and in them aligning something that happened then that was a very rare occurrence um, that seems to me the most popular theories and for some reason I guess Jupiter was in a good place because it's always in the middle of it somewhere in, in those theories. But, but that's not what the scripture says. Uh, yeah. Like the, 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 way well, I'm, the way I'm looking at it, just uh -huh. looking, and this is the way my translation for it and other people have, have ones, they were in the east. They saw the star in the east. Not the star was east of them. They saw the star in the east. Because if it was east of them, it would have led them east. They went west. Right. So they saw the star in the east. They went west, ended up in Jerusalem. Herod calls them in and asks them to tell him when they saw the star. Mm -hmm. Herod didn't see the star. Herod's scribes and astronomers and magicians and whatever, they didn't see the star. Mm -hmm. After Herod meets with them, they see the star again, and it leads them there. Yep. It, it is a supernatural event. There's uh, nothing in the scripture that says it was a natural occurrence. Right. Because if it were, it would happen again. Yes, I agree. And w and was was going to go over that a little more because when the star reappears, but it, that one point though, I need to I need to move quicker. Um, but it could it could have they could have seen it in the west because of something that rose you know right before the sun and that's the only time of day you would have seen it. But but it doesn't explain the next part of it. Let's keep moving. Um, so it says, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Uh, won't spend much time on that. I found it interesting that all Jerusalem was troubled with him. Why were they troubled with him? Were they worried? Well, yeah, they could have been worried about Herod's reaction because yeah. what's he going to do? Nobody knows, right? Right. Um, but it could be, you know, they saw the size of this caravan coming, and they're saying there's a new king of Israel, and... You know, you hear you're getting a new CEO at work. You know, everybody gets a little nervous, right? Are they going to lay us off? They, what's going to change? Uh, who knows? Uh, but let's keep going. In verse 4, when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, 
And that would have been the people that knew, right? The scribes, that was like teachers of the law. He gathered them together. At least he knew who to ask, right? He demanded of them where Christ should be born, which we already saw that was uh, found in Micah 5, among other places that would have given clues to that. Um, And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and then he quotes Micah 2 there. Um, It's interesting that the religious leaders knew the answer. They, They knew where Christ should be born. And yet they... They didn't even go look for him, right? There's information. There's this huge entourage of important uh, people coming to see him. Where is he? This is Herod demanding of them. Um, So they found it and told him and apparently just went back to business as usual. Isn't that interesting? It's like, uh, let's don't be that way. Like, the, the Bible said it, but... Did they really believe it? I don't know. It's hard to imagine that they really believed it or were excited about it happening if they did. Anyway, verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. So it was a secret meeting, right? He didn't didn't meet with his advisors. He he wanted to talk with them one-on-one. And then he, he gave them this line in the next verse about wanting to worship them. Um, but he inquired diligently the time. So this is a clue. I do believe that um, they had been traveling sometime, likely uh, sometime a year, but it would need to be one year, give or take a year, because Herod inquired diligently, and then he killed the babies age two and under based on that time when, when he, uh, that he got from the wise men, right? Because it says he inquired of them diligently, uh, he wanted an exact answer, an accurate answer, so he, he was very interested in that information. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Uh, so it's very interesting, I think, that Herod, he had advisors, he brought in the religious leaders, but he met privately with the wise men and he trusted them. He, he just accepted that they were going to obey him or, or uh, think he was on their side, right? And he trusted them to bring back the information. So he had plans to kill the baby, right? And we're not going to take any chances on some other king of Israel. I'm king of Israel, he thought. And yet it didn't happen, right? So... Why not? I mean, Herod's intentions were to kill it, but God, God turned the king's heart. The Bible says uh, in Exodus 14, it says, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. It says in Proverbs 21.1, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turns it wheresoever he will. God can do this. And yet, leave man with perfect free will. Um, I don't think that can be explained, but I think the scripture teaches that. I think Herod was free to do what he wanted to do, and yet God turned his heart some way to do it, to trust these wise men. He set up the circumstances that he knew Herod would, would do that, and in the end, Jesus was not killed. Was there ever any danger of that? No. God was in control. But how did he do it? How did he turn Herod's heart? So it's something to think about. Um, 
We have free will. We can make choice. God gave us that. And yet, he's in control of everything. Um, yeah, we, we could spend like all year on that and never come to some conclusion, but it's very uh, good to think about, I think. Verse 9. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east, so it was the same star, right? It was the star which they saw in the east. It went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And I, I, I'm try, I've tried to imagine in years past, what does that mean? Because it's easy to gloss over exceeding great joy. But can you, what does exceeding great joy mean? Now, your version might have it differently, but I imagine it still can't express what was going on with these wise men, how they must, were they jumping up and down and like having a, a party like their team just won the Super Bowl or, you know, how some excitement, it was exceeding great joy. But anyway, the star they saw, uh, the things I read had different numbers. Some people said Bethlehem and uh, Jerusalem were nine miles apart, seven miles apart, five miles apart. I looked on Google Maps and even by road, which is pretty much a, a straight shot um, today, from the old city of Jerusalem to Bethlehem is just about five miles, 5.1, 5.2. I live in Falling Water just on the north side of Hickson, you know, just where Coles and Academy is, just down the hill from there. It's about five miles from, from here to my home. So can you imagine um, a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn and Mars or whatever uh, being able to lead me from here to my house in Falling Water, five miles from here. I mean, I wouldn't know how to follow it, right? Uh, you know, you look at the moon and it looks like it's following you. you, you how do you follow? Um, so I agree with what you said, Ryan. I think this had to be a supernatural event. It, Jupiter, uh, you know, depending on where in our orbits we are, it's something like half a billion miles away from us. You can't lead somebody five miles on the surface of the earth from a light that's half a billion miles away, right? If you're going to stand over a house that's that close to you, the light has to be a lot lower altitude, right? Probably not seen by the whole city. Uh, who knows? It could have been that only the wise men or people in their vicinity saw it, you know? If you're on the other side of the tree line, you wouldn't have, we don't know, but... To get from there to there, it had to be low. Was it supernatural? Was it the Shekinah glory that they saw in the Old Testament? The, the, you know, the brightness and brilliance of God's presence in the temple that appeared? We don't know. Oh, yeah? Okay. Oh, really? Well, I'm encouraged to hear that because I think that makes a lot more sense than an astronomical event. Almost everything I hear is astronomical, and it, it's just like, that, that doesn't make any sense. But anyway. You, you would have thought that after Herod's meeting with them about a star that led them towards the king, he would be on the lookout for it. I, I almost feel like, I mean, without saying it, and so I don't want to add it, but you almost feel like it was hidden yeah, from Herod. Didn't see it. Yeah. Well, I did hear theories like Jupiter, there's apparently because of the way the Earth orbits faster, because it's closer to the sun than Jupiter, there's a, there's a small time when Jupiter from Earth's view appears to move backwards. In retrograde. Retrograde, exactly. 
Um, and that, that would have that occurred around this time period and they would have been looking like a normal person is not going to see that, right? Unless you're an astronomer studying these things. So is that possible? Yeah, I suppose it's possible. But it's not possible that that led them from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. I think part of it is the star was so extra bright just because he was born that day. He was like a proud father, you know, shining brighter than mm -hmm. normal, saying, here's my son. Plus, he's in a major. There's, there's no light. It's completely dark in a major. So he's yeah. bringing the light into it. Yeah. Something interesting to think about, and you may be fitting to this, I don't know, maybe the beast doing the thunder. We need to update how our manger seems because he was not a newborn. Yeah, that's right. He was in a house. It would have been. probably a two year old running around in a diaper. <laughs> yeah. So get you a little toddler person and stick it in your manger seat. <laughs> and get rid of the manger, make it a house. Hey, we're almost out of time, and I didn't even get to like the, you know, the bigger part of the lesson, but I'm going to try to move quickly. <clears throat> I'm really skimming over this. I spent too much time in the beginning. What did they bring? They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why did they bring those things? There are a lot of theories. Um, one is practical, right? Joseph and Mary needed, needed something to support them when they fled to Egypt. You know, he, did, he was not going to be employed immediately on their travel, right? That's one practical reason. The these are things that were brought to kings. You didn't come to a king in those days to visit a king without bringing a gift. Um, when the Queen of Sheba, I have all the scripture down. I was wanting to read it all. Um, the Queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon because she heard about him. That was in Arabia in the east where frankincense and myrrh and everything would have been harvested from the trees. Um, she brought, I'll read just a bit. It says, and she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices, which frankincense and myrrh are both, and very much gold and precious stones and, and so on. And it, it talks about how much gold she brought and, and everything. Um, these are things that you would bring a king, somebody that was worth all honor. Um, and it's easy to see how gold is for a king, like Solomon, everything... He, all of his cups were covered in gold. He made shields out of gold, which is like just so extravagant. It's, it's not practical, but he just, because he, he collected gold. It said he collected 666 talents in one year, uh, which anyway, um, it's easy to understand gold is related to kings. What about frankincense? Um, just to summarize the whole thing, because I really want to get this in. The main mention of frankincense, it's mentioned 17 times in the Bible. Twelve of them are in relation to priestly duties. They, they put it on the grain offering, okay? Not on meat offering. They put it on grain offering, and it had a sweet smell. It was a, a, the King James called it a, a sweet-smelling savor. Um, if you cook meat on the altar, you know, when you're cooking a steak on the grill, it, you know, you smell it, right? It smells good. Um, if you have uncooked oats that you pour out, uh, you don't really walk into the house and think, oh man, there's, there are oats here, right? So they put it on, they put it on grain offering, uh, at least not till it's cooked, but anyway. Because in fact, if you brought, there, there were offerings where you could cook bread on a griddle or in the oven and, and so on. You didn't put frankincense on that, but you put frankincense on uncooked grain offerings. 
uh, except for the showbread, which was made every Sabbath, and you put it on it because it sat out for a week. Um, it, was a, it was like part of offering a prayer to God. It, was, it ascended up toward heaven, as it were, you know. Um, and whose job was it for all of the things that were brought in for offerings and to, to do all this? The priests, right? Um, so moving on quickly to myrrh. Um, myrrh was, it was expensive, it was traded, it was brought, you know, it was one of the things the Midianite or Ishmaelite traders brought when they bought Joseph from his brothers. You know, they were headed uh, toward Egypt carrying spices and everything, including myrrh. Um, so it was a gift that you brought to powerful people because when, when Joseph, Joseph's brothers came back, uh, their dad, Jacob, said, take him some stuff, right? Uh, some almonds and spices and, and everything, including myrrh, was one of the things because they wanted to gain Joseph. They didn't know it was Joseph gain his favor because uh, he had some power and could uh, lock up or kill one of their brothers. Um, you know, it was also a beauty aid. It, it was used in the preparation like with Esther and all of the, the ones for uh, King Ahasuerus. But there was, in the Old Testament, a use of it. That it's, it was also mentioned, myrrh is mentioned 17 times in the Bible, strangely enough, I suppose. Um, and it's mentioned as in a command of Moses. Um, in Exodus 30, it says, Moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure myrrh, 500 shekels, of sweet cinnamon half as much, and sweet calamus uh, also half as much. And he goes on, I, I won't read it all, but he, he tells them to use these things to make a holy ointment. And he said, this is the anointing ointment. Use it to anoint the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, um, all the vessels, all you know, the, the altar, the laver, all the, the implements in the, in the tabernacle. And then he said, take this ointment of myrrh, Moses, and anoint your brother Aaron and his sons and everything so that they can be priests for me. Um, we, who, who does anointing? You know, when Saul was going to be king, who anointed him? Samuel. Samuel. What was Samuel? He was uh, somebody else. The prophet. When... Uh, <laughs> what? Did I miss it? <laughs> somebody else said it? Somebody else. Somebody else. Okay. When David was was anointed king, it was also Samuel the prophet. When, when Solomon was anointed, it was uh, Nathan the prophet, along with the priests that helped him. But it's the job of a prophet to anoint somebody. God gave, uh, this is the only place, God gave a command to make an ointment with myrrh and told Moses to anoint Aaron and those that were going to be priests so that they could be priests for, for God. Uh, and was Moses a prophet? Yes, he, he was very clearly a prophet. The Bible says so. It says that there was... Uh, yeah, and there, in Deuteronomy 34, and there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In the New Testament, in Acts a couple times, it says there was never a prophet like Moses. Gold, this is my view. If it's not quite right, I'm sorry, but it just blessed me. 
gold, frankincense, and myrrh. If you're looking for it, Jesus was the prophet, a priest, and a king, right? The, the priests used the frankincense, prophets used myrrh, gold for the kings. So we're out of time. I'm sorry. Think about what you bring to a baby shower. It depends on the relationship, right? The gift cards and the diapers, if that's a coworker, that's probably what you get. If it's your first grandchild, that's probably not what you get, right? You, you go find a $250 stroller with a, you know, a, a whatever. You know, it, it's more extravagant than, than a, a pack of diapers. If, it depends on the relationship is the answer, right? What, think about what these men brought to Jesus for his baby shower, if you will, to honor him as a king. And then think about what can we bring and what do we bring and what are we willing to offer him. Um, you know, some people relate giving Christmas gifts back to the Magi and, you know, the, we could d- debate that, but it's still a good principle, right? What, what is our relationship to Jesus and what do we want to offer him for that? I'm sorry I kept you so long. Thank you. Thank Have you. a good day.